All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, March 6th of 2023 here, and it looks like we have a six-game NBA slate tipping off tonight. We got a, what is it, another six-game hockey slate as well today. So it should be a fun day of DFS. I uh, hope you all were, uh, you know, playing some DFS over the weekend. I know Formula One started we had some NASCAR. We had a big MMA card with the John Jones fight. So was definitely like an action-packed weekend of DFS. So looking forward to another good week here. But for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. It's a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You can post questions in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server, if you're not in our Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. And then you can also post questions live in the YouTube chat. We'll get to all the questions before the end of the show. But that being said, going to get Saberson pulled up here. Uh, looking at forward to another good week of the show. Uh, for those of you, you know, new, we do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern every week. So tune in, get your questions answered. If you guys have questions throughout the day. Just um, post them in the Office Hours channel as you're building lineups throughout the day. Let them sit there, and then we'll, we'll uh, have some questions to get us rolling. But that being said, going to start off with a question or kind of um, a message we got via support. I just kind of wanted to point this out for everybody, uh, if anybody was unfamiliar with it. But I thought it was a good one to get us started today. All right, so this first one here, going to get this in the chat says i feel like there needs to be some more advanced lineup rules when building out 150 i might want to limit my use of sub 7k players to one to two total in order to do this currently i have to add all 6k players to a group by clicking each manually and then using the rule to use at most two from the primary group also i'm not sure if your projections account for weather splits but being able to sort and filter AM slash PM start times for both classic, but especially for showdown is pretty fundamental for golf and Sabre doesn't offer it. So this was a golf question. Somebody asking about, you know, lineup rules for golf, kind of having a, a, a difficult time, a, a tedious process doing a uh, manual group rules here for golf. So just for anybody, you know, I thought other, other uh, users might have this issue, which is why it was good to talk about, but we do offer automatic group rules with stat requirements. I think that is the part that sometimes get, gets lost. That's what I told this user specifically. So let's say, you know, you want to limit the use of your golfers under the 7K salary as pointed out here, right? Uh, two ways to do that. You go into these group rule type, you go to selection method manual. And then what you can do is you can sort by salary and then you can click in all of the golfers, you know, under 7K and say, you know, use no more than two, right? But the quicker way to do this is to go to group rules, go to automatic here. And then you're going to go to use, we'll say no more than two, which is what the user said. This requirements tab down here, this is really important. Uh, just hit add requirement. We offer uh, requirements for projection, for ownership, for salary, for tee times, like for make cut percent. So what if I were this user, what I would do is I would come in here, add a requirement that says salary less than, and then I would do 7,000. And then now what if I, I'm going to say this as a manual rule just to show you guys what's happening here. But what if, what the builder is going to do automatically, it's going to go grab all 63 golfers that are less than 7,000 salary and then put them in a group for you. So instead of you having to come in here, click each uh, little player icon 63 times, 
just put in a stab requirement and the builder will take care of that for you. So saves a ton of time. And, and I think that this is going to be a huge addition for the user who wrote in. So hope they're able to watch this. We'll get a recording over to them. But then, you know, just similarly, really quickly here, you can do the same thing for tea times, right? So maybe there's like a big weather split and uh, the AM PM has worse weather than the PM AM. So you want to limit the use of players in the AM PM shift. So then, you know, you say maybe use no more than one if you're being like really aggressive, right? Use no more than one. And then you'll say before, and then I would say, you know, like 11 a.m. here. That's that's what it's supposed to do. So it's hours, minutes, and then a.m. or p.m. here. So so you use no more than one player before 11 a.m. This is on like a, a daily basis, right? So if you're building for the weekend, uh, it's, it's going to be based off of the tee times for day one. And then, you know, but we do update the tee times for showdown. So if you guys are playing, you know, round two showdown, round three showdown, we do pull in new tee times. So... Um, as, as the slates change and as players shift around tea times, we'll be able to account for that for your showdown contests, but glad we were able to get that one, uh, sorted out here. And I will make sure we get a, uh, recording over. So looks like we have quite a few viewers here. Welcome everybody. Glad you guys were able to tune in on this Monday. Mondays are always fun. Uh, good day to kick off the show, uh, and set the tone for the week. So moving on to our next question here in the Discord from Amato N. Question is, any recommended metrics slash sorting methods to use in SaberSim for PGA, the players' differences between main slate and showdown? Yeah, no, it's it's a big golf week. Uh, it is the players, so it is a uh, big, big weekend. I know they're running a Millie Maker over on DraftKings. Uh, it's like the first large field Millie that I've seen. So if you guys have tickets and different things like that. Good luck to you. I will be in there myself. But it should be a fun week. Uh, always a good time to play some golf during the players. So talking about SaberSim 2.0 here, right? What is it? Uh, you know, what what are what is a motto alluding to here? So for those of you not in the, not on the pro plan, not in the pro channel, we have been uh, testing out a new version of SaberScore. Some updates to the app in a uh, beta version if you guys are interested in learning more about what exactly we are doing and where some of that theory is founded you could find details about that in our latest behind the sims video if you go over to our uh, youtube channel you go over to our behind the sims playlist behind the sims episode 23 saber score 2.0 and adjusted ownership this is what any references of saber score 2.0 are talking about so if you guys are interested in learning more about that i would highly recommend this video you could listen to andy matt and jordan talk about where some of this theory and where some of these changes are kind of grounded and and where it's coming from ultimately you know we're just trying to make the app better for our users and and help users to win more because that is what we are all here to do so uh just just a little background there on saber score 2.0 but as far as you know using it for the players using it for showdowns etc so so from my understanding up to this point what i would say is that um do not use saber score 2.0 for showdowns only use it for classic slates that is what i've kind of um picked up from from discussions with the team from discussions in discord is that you know I'm I'm not, I'm not on the beta version right now, so I'm not going to be able to display this live here. But basically, uh, you should mostly be using SaberScore 2.0 for classic slates. So I think it's totally okay to use it for um, the the weekend slate here. You know, the field is usually like 
really big. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be like 160 golfers. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but as long as it's still like a large field tournament, uh, you're not going to need the optimal to win. So I think it's totally okay to use the Sabre score uh, 2.0 drop downs. You know, there's, there's a large slate, there's small slate. I would probably post a question in the discord in, in the pro channel and find out, you know, what, what the default's going to be. My assumption here is that it should default to large slate. So I'm just going to make a note for myself here. So large slash small slate, uh, SS 2.0 for golf. I, I'm going to assume, you know, usually like the, the reason we do small slate versus large slate is because as the slate gets smaller, you're going to need closer and closer to the optimal. But in a large field, 160 golfer uh, field, you probably aren't going to need that. So I think going with large slate and then picking the contest size that you're using is probably the best way. I think if the field size was like significantly smaller, like, you know, when they do like the no cut 40 golfers, I would probably lean closer to like the small slate sliders. Uh, but I think you should be fine with large slate, large slate si- sliders using the entry sizes that are uh, recommended based on the contest you're playing and go from there. But if you're looking for more feedback on that, uh, the pro channel is really the best place to post that because Matt's in there a ton providing feedback and answers, and he's really good about getting back to everybody. Uh, but, but those are my thoughts, early indications of how I would use Sabre, score 2.0 for golf for classic and then i would not use it for showdown it is not ready for showdown we do have a uh, saber score 2.0 late swap version but that is more for like nba uh we have not rolled out a saber score 2.0 for showdown so more to come on that all right uh next question here from jay clement and this is our last question in the discord then we will be jumping over to the youtube chat jay clement said andrew is there any way to quickly create a group for NBA, that says I want at least three players from the last three games of the night. I currently have to click each player individually, and it's time-consuming. Just wondering if there's a quicker way. Thanks. Okay, so let's hop over to NBA, and let's uh, try and figure this out. So basically what you're saying is that you want three players from the last three games of the night. Okay, so so Jay Clement, if you're tuning in uh, – you know, I, I, I do want a little feedback from you here. Uh, why specifically the last three games of the night? Uh, are you just trying to have some type of late swap flexibility? And if you are, what I would suggest is just decreasing the teams that you're using and then like just use the last game of the night. So that, that is what I suggest, and like the reason for that is that it doesn't really matter if you're doing late swap flexibility. It's just just like, in, okay, uh, Jay Clement did say late swap flexibility. Thank you. So it doesn't really matter whether or not you're using three games or one game for late swap flexibility. All that really matters is that players are being used and, and salary is being saved, right? So you're saving lineup positions. You're saving salary. Like that's ultimately what you're trying to do. So what I would, what, this is what I like to do usually is that I'll come in here and I'll do like a group automatic rule. And then I'll say, use at least three. I'll usually group by uh, game here. And then I'll just save it as a manual rule. And then boom, I have six manual rules now. And then I'll just save the last one for the last game of the night. So this new Orleans Sacramento game uh, is the only one that I'll use. So then you can do two things. You can just come in here 
and uncheck these really quickly. And then now this New Orleans Sacramento one is going to be the only one that's active. Or what you could do is you could come in here and just trash the other teams. Uh, this is like a little more time consuming, but it is still faster than checking in all players from a range of players, right? Because, you know, I, I think this like thought experiment is kind of important for basketball. A lot of times people will say like, hey, you know, I, I had a high scoring lineup in my initial build. And then when I late swap, I late swap off of it. And then I didn't have those players anymore. And then I could have had a higher scoring night, right? I think that's like bad thinking in general. So the way I like to look at my lineups is that let's say I have one lineup, I'm playing one single entry and there's eight players in my lineup, right? Let's say I have one player from Portland. Let's say maybe it's like Damian Lillard. I'm going with an early payup option, right? And then I have eight other, uh, seven other spots that that have players, but they haven't locked it, right? In, in my mind, the way I think about it is that only Damian Lillard is in this lineup. All these other players are placeholders, especially when there's pending news, especially when there's uh, a lot of questionables left and like, you know, um, maybe like Trey Young and Jimmy Butler are both questionable in this next game. And I'm I when when there are nights where there are a lot of questionables and a lot of outstanding information that is going to impact the slate, that is how I like to think about it. The only time that I really care about um who's in my lineups at lock is when there's like no questionables. So sometimes we get like these four game slates where all of the games start uh, kind of around the same time and there's not a lot of questionables. There's really no pending news. Those are the only times I really care about my lineups at lock because I'm most likely not going to late swap. But when you're doing this for late swap, I think it's better to just uh, save yourself some time, use one game, use the last game of the night and then just put as many players as you want. And you could do, you could do four players from the same team, like, or four players from the game. It really, it doesn't have any effect. Um, and all these players are are just placeholders. So don't get attached to them uh, is, is really what I'm trying to say. You know, don't get attached to players that have not locked and only really care about the players in your lineups that have locked. So that's how I would do it, Jay Clement. Uh, for, for the exact way that you're saying, the way that you're asking, um, there isn't a good way to do it. I, what you could do is you could do the rule that I just did. And then instead of trashing all the teams, you could like leave it for the last three games of the night. And then just make it like no more or use at least one from, from each game, right? So you would do group auto and then you would do group by game. And then you would say use at least one. And then that way uh, you have players from each one of these games. And then you could just delete the rule for like the games that lock. So like the Portland game, uh, we're just going to uncheck it. The Philly game, the Boston game, and the Atlanta game, we'll say. Oh, no, we'll leave the Atlanta game. So that, that's how I would do it. That Those are a uh, quick way to do three teams. You can do as many players as you want. And then you can even do different players for different games, right? So like maybe you want one Atlanta and then you want uh, to save spots in the last game with like two, right? And then you could increase that and then change the rules. So that's why I think manual rules give you a lot of flexibility. And I think manual rules are, are really, really uh, good for the amount of like nuance that they um, allow for. But jumping over to YouTube chat, really good questions so far. Hiker really said, just wanted to thank the entire Saberson crew, five of the top 10 finisher in the Saturday night, DK, NBA, 3K, elbow shot, had a Saberson avatar, including my much needed $300 first place takedown. Hiker Willie, congrats, man. 
Glad to hear that you are having success. And I was playing Saturday. I did see a ton of Saberson logos up at the top. I saw a bunch yesterday too. Um, I know that uh, a lot of users have been having a lot of success over the weekend. And so uh, happy to hear about your success. You are a regular tuning, somebody who regularly tunes into the show. I love when people, you know, are putting in the work day after day, asking questions, learning, uh, consuming content, and then go on to have success. So congrats, Hiker Willie. All right. Uh, John Sams Jr. Let's go, Saberson. Let's go. Uh, eight, next question here from 8Game. How do I try beta? How do I see what features are in beta? So if you're interested in getting early access to new features, to beta features, you have to upgrade to Saberson Pro. If you are on the Saberson Pro account here, uh, that is one of the features as well as the pro exclusive content, which are not listed here. So along with, you know, the 5,000 lineups, the custom metrics, the aggregating, you get the pro exclusive content, you get early access to features, you get access to the pro channel and discord, and then you get the option to do the NBA prop add-on, which has been very successful up to this point. So upgrade to uh, pro and then um, in the pro channel in discord, there is a uh, pinned message up at the top in the channel where you can access, it gives you instructions about how to access beta, or you can just post in the channel and somebody will help you out. But that is how you do that. All right. Hiker really said, after watching SaberScore 2.0 discussions, I wonder if I should set ownership sliders to zero and sorting afterward instead. Uh, yeah. So I think that, you know, you can still apply some of the features that are being discussed in the behind the Sims video. If you're not on the pro plan on the pro plan, you know, you do get the Saber score 2.0 and the adjusted ownership. But if you are not on the pro plan, you're just on the standard plan or, or an advanced plan from previous, that's okay. What you can do is you could still like apply some of those uh, components by decreasing ownership fade. But, you know, along with that, you know, it kind of all works hand in hand, right? So like, um, if you do decrease ownership fade, you don't, we don't have, you know, the adjusted ownership or the ability to, uh, you won't be able to grade for ownership in the post build because you won't have access to custom metrics. So I think it's like, um, okay to possibly lower ownership fade on like the standard plan for the moment, because the, the, the main reason that we're talking about, you know, getting rid of it as a build slider and then just grading for it in the post build is to decrease the amount of double counting that we're doing. So one, you know, we're, we're adjusting projections uh, based on an ownership multiplier here, based on where the slider is set. And then in Saber score, we are grading based on an ownership component of your lineups, right? So there's a little like double counting going on there. That's why we're making these adjustments. So I think it's okay to lower ownership fade, you know, cut it in half, drop it a tick or two and uh, see how, see how you're feeling about your lineups. But this will, you know, decrease the impact of the multiplier, but still allow for it to be graded in your lineups in the post build. So I think that is definitely an okay approach in the, in the meantime. All right. Next question here from Keith Mason said, hi, I'm hoping hopping into the SaberSim world this week and have been watching a bunch of your videos. One thing I'm curious about is if I build say 1000 lineups, but only want the lineups with three uniques, can I then download all of the lineups with three uniques? Okay. Good question here. So let's build some lineups and let's see if we can demo this. I'm almost positive you can, because there is a, the ability to do 
like a lineup download, which is like just the lineups that you're playing that are uh, linked to like the number of lineups up at the top. And then there is a pool download. So, so if I were to hit this green download lineups button right now, what it's going to do is it is going to download the 20 lineups under this lineups column. When I flip to pool, you'll see this uh, nomenclature change to download pool. So this will download all 551 lineups in my pool. So what I would do here is I would increase my min uniques to three. And then I would, how would I do this? I think I would increase the number of lineups here. And then I would see how high this can go. So change your mini needs to three first and then see how high you can get this to go. So I still, I'm still able to get to 60 mini needs to three. Um, I'm still able to get to, let's try 150. 150 is still good. 200. Wow. I can't believe we get to so many mini needs here. Pool is like so diverse. 250, 300. Okay, boom. So we hit our cap here. So so I have my number of lineups set to 300, but I'm only able to find 264 lineups out of my pool of 551 that have three min uniques. So then once I figure out what this cap is here, I would change my number of lineups to the number that I can find in my pool which would be 264. And then from here, now that I have all of the Min Unique 3 lineups, I can hit this green download lineups button, and then that will be all the lineups that are that have three Min Uniques in them. And then it looks like uh, DePope here asked what Min Uniques are. And what Min Uniques is, is basically it's the minimum unique players from every other lineup in the pool. So, so what I'm saying is that there are eight roster positions in this lineup. By saying min uniques three, what I'm saying is that every single lineup has at least three players different from every other lineup that I'm playing here. So I have 264 lineups in my 551 pool that have three players different from each other lineup. And the, the good thing about that is that what this is, is it's diversification tool. And it allows you to play lineups that don't have so many similar players, but have, you know, okay, so I'm going to take a step back. So so the best thing you can do is have a lineup set that all have similar EV, but really low correlation to one another. And that's what basically Mini Neeks is trying to capture. It's saying, let me play lineups where if one lineup does bad, that does not mean all the other lineups that I'm also playing are probably going to do bad. It, it allows for this uh, less of this like boom bust type of style where like all your lineups are like in the green on DraftKings cashing, you know, winning or all your lineups are in the gray, like doing really poorly. Uh, what this will do is it'll allow you in your standings. You'll probably be able to see this. Like you'll have some lineups in the green, in the gray and like the lower percentile. You have some lineups in the middle. You have some lineups toward the top. So all it's allowing you to do is like, Hey, if, if this player does bad, you know, it's not going to sink all of my lineups. All of my lineups have this many unique players and gives you a better chance to just smooth out your smooth out your variance and uh, ultimately take with you a more diverse set of lineups. Oh, the Pope said, uh, I know what they are. Please read my above question before that. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. I will get to that in a minute here. 
Uh, but yes, Keith, uh, looks like we answered Keith's question. Happy to help there. I, I've actually never uh, gone through that exercise. So we just kind of figured that one out on the fly together. So uh, glad we were able to work that out. HC said, hi, Andrew. Do you feel, how do you feel about NBA late swap for a single entry lineup? Um, uh, frankly, I think you should still do it. But I think that, you know, when you're playing like one lineup, you're, you know, uh, really just like uh, focusing on that one lineup, you can really micromanage it uh, really well. So I think that, you know, if late swap news comes out, if late swap runs, uh, you could decide like, hey, you know, is is this going to affect me and, and my game plan? Uh, you could always you can always run a late swap here and not use it. I think that's like something that gets missed too. So I, I don't have an entries file, so I can't run a late swap at the moment. But basically what I, what I like to do sometimes is, you know, run a late swap and just see what it looks like. And especially if you're playing, you know, one lineup, and then this is something I'll do too. Uh, if you're playing one lineup, right? So what we're doing when we're late swapping is we are taking your one lineup and then we are rebuilding it a certain number of times and giving you different variations of that lineup. So you don't really need a huge pool size for this. So I would like knock this pool size down to like 100 and then just build a hundred versions of your single lineup and then come into the pool and then don't just look at the top version. Uh, look at like the top 10 versions, look at the top 25 versions, you know, look at all 100 versions and compare these exposures. Who are you getting more in the top 10 lineups now? That might be a good play that you weren't rostering before. So that's something I like to do a lot and then see, you know, um, how different is this from the original construction? What components are different? Do you want to play these components? I think that, you know, if there's like a certain player or a group of players that you want to get to, I think that it is good to tell the builder that in the beginning. So like, let's say, you know, you, you're, you're building one lineup and you know that you want Trey Young in this lineup. Just come in here and put the min exposure to 100. Um, maybe like Nikola Jokic is out and Denver is like a big value spot. You know, make a rule that says, you know, use at least two Denver players. And then you're going to get more lineups with the key core fundamentals that you want. And then let Saberson build around that. So that's something that like I've moved more towards when building an individual lineup on a night is just telling Saberson more of what I know I want and then letting it find the best combination of players around that. So I would I would still use late swap in general. I would just kind of micromanage the players that got into my lineup more since I since I have the time since I'm only playing one lineup. So that's how I like to use late swap with a single bullet, like a like a true single bullet there. All right. DePope said, good afternoon. I had great lineups last night in the NBA showdown 10 p.m. game, and my best line tied first with about 450 others. What else in my process could help me differ in the future? Geometric mean min uniques. Got it. Okay, I did not read this first part uh, prior. We were just talking about min uniques, and then I saw this min uniques question, so I just went for that. But uh, but thank you for the clarification here. Uh, so this is a really good question, right? And showdown is definitely a different beast, right? So let's talk about showdown here. And I'm just going to pull up uh, this 7.30 p.m. Atlanta-Miami um, game. So two things when it comes to, you know, the, the the builder 
is basically building you optimals based on our sims, right? So we are taking one instance of when this Atlanta-Miami game was played, and then we are building the optimal construction for your lineup based on how the players did in that one individual sim. And if you do, if you have a pool of 500, we're doing that 500 times, right? The builder is only accounting for optimals and frequency of optimals and how, um, how many times the lineup shows up as like the top lineup in, in the Sims. Right. And, and you can see that with, with Sabre score. Uh, usually you're going to see like a, a Sabre score is always going to be standardized to 100. And then, you know, you might see like a 99 and then you might see like a big drop off to like 95. So what that's telling you is that, you know, those first two lineups might have shown up as optimal more than once, but, at the end of the day, you know, the where I'm going with this is that Saber Sim is, is showing you optimals, but it is not showing you there's there's nothing be account being accounted for duplication, is is where I'm going with this. So so here we have a saber score of 100, and then we have a big drop off to 94.8, and then these kind of get closer, 93.9. So this top lineup probably showed up as optimal uh more than its fair share in, in the sims that we sampled here, but that's great. You know, we, we, we're, we're, we're simming the games. We're using Sims to build optimals. All that's great. But now, you know, how do we avoid being duplicated? And I think the best way to do that is to add some type of ownership filter. I think filters are a great place to start. So there's two things with using GeoMean here, right? You could use it as a lineup aggregate rule in the home screen. But what this is going to do is that this is going to have more impact on the Sims here. So if I, I were to set a lineup aggregate rule, my my own geo mean uh, no more than you know whatever value I come up with, that is going to have more of an impact on the Sims. What I prefer to do is use a lineup filter after the build and say you know come into add a filter and then you basically do the same thing. So hide lineups with um, with ownership or actually hmm, interesting here. Okay, so so two ways to do this. If you are on the standard plan or an advanced plan, you're going to do this in the lineup rules. And then you're going to do an aggregate rule. And then you're going to do my ownership, geometric mean, no more than whatever this value is. And the way you come up with this value is based on the contest size. So not going to like, uh, so, so let's say we have a 10,000 person showdown contest. So the formula for geo mean would be the number of targeted dupes, which I like to use like a guardrail type. So I usually put it at like 20. I don't want to be duped 20 times, but, um, you know, I just kind of want to put like a buffer. So I'm going to do 20 divided by 10,000, which would be the number of entries in the contest to the power of one over six. And six is basically the number of persons in, or the number of players in your lineup. If you're looking for like a deeper dive and, and, a slower kind of uh example i know i'm kind of moving fast here but what i would do is go over to our support docs i've done a video on this myself so you go over to settings you go over to help and then this will open up sabersim.com forward slash support and then you go down to this frequently asked questions hit this view more button and then in the in the uh library search bar just type geometric mean and then how do ownership product and ownership geometric mean work? This is a video I did a couple of weeks back and I walked through product ownership, geo mean, how to calculate them. We do examples, how to apply them in the app on the standard plan and the pro plan. And we do that all in under five minutes here. So this is a great video to watch. I would highly recommend it if you're looking to 
uh, use ownership rules such as product and geomean to try and lower duplication in your lineups. But so that, so I, I, I would do some type of either lineup rule or I, if you have, if you're on the pro plan and you have the ability to build custom metrics, I would first build a geomean custom metric that displays the geomean of your lineups and it would look, oh my gosh, I'm just trying to click this little pencil icon. Okay, click. Uh, it would look just like this, where you're going to display the value of the geomean for each lineup, and then from there you can now, now that you have this, you can now create a, a filter based on geomean. So any any custom metric you create, you will have the ability to filter for that using the lineup filter. So then me, I would be like high geomean greater than, and then whatever the uh, value came out from that formula that we talked about. Put that in here. It will trash all of the lineups over a certain geo mean so that when you do win, uh, the lineups that you played are expected to have less dupes. So you probably would not have got to that 450 dupe lineup. So you probably wouldn't have won any share of that. But, you know, how great is it to, to win when sometimes, you know, if like in, in, the, in the biggest cases, you know, you're maxing out these contests and first place is not even paying you back your entry fees because you were duplicated so many times. Like in that scenario, it's like, you know what? Somebody else can win this time, but I'm going to wait for mine when I win. And I know that I'm doing things to make sure that I'm going to be less duplicated. I'm going to absorb more of the price pool when I do win. Uh, said, right. I did a geometric mean, then I ran my lineups and then played with mini unique set to two and then played with some ownership. I had one line at 100 second line at 94, then a big drop off for the rest. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, geomean is, is a great tool to use, not to say that, you know, it's, it's always going to be right. Like, Hey, you know, I set my, I, I use geomean and I did it for projected 20 dupes and I got like a 60 dupe lineup. Like, yeah, that happens. You know, it's not perfect. It is um, an estimation. I'll say like one thing that geomean rules don't do is they don't account for like uh, player combinations. So, you know, let's say uh, we'll use football as, as an example. You know, we have Tom Brady, like 15% captain. And then we have, uh, or let's say, let's say we have Mike Evans, 15% captain. And then we have Tom Brady, you know, 50% ownership. Uh, the geomean or, or the product ownership of those two players is probably not going to accurately represent how much they're actually played together just because of the correlation component. And so like, that is like one thing that these product ownership rules miss is player correlation uh, and how often these players are going to be used together. I'm not sure exactly how that translates to basketball, but you know, um, just like, that's just one example of saying that, you know, the rules aren't perfect and they are like hard and fast rules and they do for, for the most part, they frankly do a good job. I like to use them myself, but um, some of those high dupes can sneak in there. You can also um, like play with some type of salary thing. So aside from Geomean, you know, maybe you set a salary filter and this is something that everybody could do is that, you know, okay, I'm, 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 I'm optimizing for, you know, this Geomean, but then I'm also going to uh, exclude salaries that are, greater than uh 49,800. So like that would basically be your 49,9s and your 50,000s. So like, um, you know, that's, that's a second step that you can take. And this is something that Jordan and Will talked about in the latest MMA pro video is, you know, how do you try and 
get a combination of uh, of different indicators that lead to duplication and account for them all. So one, that's ownership, but two, that's salary, you know, projected score matters in there too. So how do you kind of combine all of these things together to find the right lineup set? So that was another really good discussion with uh, Will and Jordan over there. But all right, uh, the Pope, thank you for the lessons. Happy to help, man. Uh, just, just do my best to, to give you guys some good, thoughtful advice here. But um, that being said, that those are our last questions in both the Discord and the YouTube chat. I'm actually going to pull up the uh, NBA injury report for today. It's a segment that we've been doing. You know, we review the NBA uh, basketball monster news dashboard, try and give you guys some some thoughts about, you know, where you could spend some extra time researching, uh, important things to watch out and uh, keep your ear to the ground for throughout the day. So I'm going to do this. If anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. So we'll roll through this and then we'll see where we go from there. But looking ahead today, uh, six game slate, not too many games, but plenty of news to like be on the lookout for here. So Donovan Mitchell, obviously really important. Darius Garland, uh, you know, what is, is like uh, their, their number two there or, your co-number one, one A, one B, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so he would be like the main guy if if he if Donovan Mitchell sits here. And then a lot of times when Mitchell sits, Karis LeVert moves into the starting lineup. So let's just go see what like the salaries are over here. The good news is that this news for Cleveland will be out before lock. So uh, you know, if, if Karis LeVert does end up becoming value, you know, you can expect his ownership to get really high. 4,000 salary on DraftKings, pretty low. I think it was in like the 5,000s a couple weeks ago and has slowly worked itself down as uh, Mitchell and Garland have been back regularly. So Karis LeVert probably going to be a huge value play if Donovan Mitchell does end up sitting. But I would uh, still, you know, keep your eye on these like higher uh, salary guys and see how much their projections change. So... Donovan Mitchell news should be out well before lock. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has, you know, I know he was out. I think it was Thursday last week and TJ McConnell started and TJ McConnell did really good. He was priced way down. So I'm, I'm not sure if they played Saturday or uh, Sunday or if they just had a long weekend. It looks like McConnell still like pretty fairly priced. So if Halliburton sits, McConnell should be another very popular value play, especially since this game is before lock. And, and I, and I point that out because, you know, value that opens up before lock is usually really, really highly owned. Like sometimes even higher than our ownership projections. That's just because like that is available to everybody before the slate locks and everybody is looking at it before the slate locks, but not everybody is looking at it after lock. Right. So that is where, you know, the Emmanuel quicklies of yesterday open up. He was like 22% owned in, in like, in the 20%-ish range in most of the contests. I guarantee you if Jalen Brunson was ruled out before lock, he would have been a lot higher owned, and he went off for like 70 points in double OT at like 4,700 salary. So was just like a smash play there. So um, ownership deficiencies are very prevalent post-lock news, which is why there is edge with late swap. But uh, getting back here, so Halliburton, Halliburton is important. Uh, Tobias Harris and PJ Tucker, you know, to a lesser extent, Tobias Harris, you know, could open the door for, I think Maxi has been like starting regularly, could open the door for somebody like DeAnthony Melton, but he hasn't been like a uh, particularly 
uh, offensive productive player, I guess is like the right way to say it. But you know what? It would be interesting if like Tobias Harris sits and then maybe like somebody like Shake Milton gets a shot ahead of Anthony Milton. So I could see a situation if like Shake Milton starts, like he could be great salary at, he could be great value at min price here. You know, if he, if they ultimately say like, Hey, you know, let's, let's put Milton ahead of Milton here and uh, give him a shot. So watch out for this uh, spelling discrepancy here. It's just uh, one letter, an I versus an E. When you are looking in the NBA lineup alerts channel for uh, starting lineup news for Philly. So, so keep an eye on who starts there. I would be interested if Shake Milton ends up getting the start to make sure you get to some extra Milton there, or just make sure you get them in your lineups. Make sure you use the latest SIM to build your lineups. All right. Continuing here, uh, James Wiseman questionable is like kind of important. Him and Marvin Bagley have been like sharing a lot of time and it's kind of like a hot hand approach from, from what I've seen there. It's like, Whoever is playing better kind of gets some more minutes. So if Wiseman sits, then, you know, you know Bagley is going to play more. So um, Marvin Bagley is starting to get priced up. But I think that, you know, if, if Wiseman sits and he gets extra minutes, that he could be a huge play here already at 49% ownership at this point in the day with Wiseman still playing. So that ownership will probably shoot through the roof there. Uh, Killian Hayes, kind of important there. Uh will be interesting to see, you know, does Corey Joseph play? Corey Joseph is another guy, not like a huge offensive producer as, as well. And then moving into the later games where we get our late swap edge, uh, Michael Porter Jr. Definitely important, you know, could give some additional minutes to somebody like Bruce Brown over here. And I'm just going to go to Denver. So, you know, Michael Porter Jr. says we can see somebody like Bruce Brown probably play a little more uh, move into the starting rotation there. And then aside from that, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, been kind of a weird dynamic with Willie Hernan Gomez and Jackson Hayes, like both playing both, uh, you know, this is like another hot hand approach, like whoever's playing better is kind of getting more of the minutes. So, so, so keep an eye on Jonas Valanciunas and uh, how that all shakes out. Let's just look at the salaries here. Jackson Hayes at 3,800, Hernan Gomez at 4,600. And it looks like the way we're projecting it at the moment is that we are expecting Jackson Hayes to play above, to play ahead of Hernan Gomez. So keep your eye on this Jonas Valanciunas news. Uh, he's been dealing with a calf injury, so I also wouldn't be surprised if he has some type of minutes limit if he does end up playing. So like if he does end up playing, just be a, be um, aware and, and uh, looking out for news about a potential minutes limit. And then De'Aaron Fox, questionable. I think he has like a hamstring injury. And then when he does not play, Davion Mitchell has been starting. Davion Mitchell at 3,200 salary could be a good, like, late value play. Uh, usually not the best offensive producer. Did play really well when De'Aaron Fox missed uh, with a hand injury sometime last week. So, you know, 3,200 salary, not don't need that much to get there. Uh, so it could be a, a good spot there. I know Harrison Barnes played really well when De'Aaron Fox missed as well had like 47 points at like 4,700 salary for like almost 10 X. So those are just some thoughts about uh, tonight's slate, some things to keep your eye on, you know, make sure you get this news before building your lineups, make sure that the starting lineups are confirmed for all of these games that start right at lock. And then keep your eyes on some of this Denver news, uh, some of the Sacramento and new uh, Pelicans news as well. But uh, happy to, happy to run through that segment. Going to jump back to the, uh, to the, 
YouTube chat here. One question from DePope. So let me get Saberson pulled back up. And we're going to hit this last question here. So DePope said, I've been crushing some showdowns in golf as well. What about three max or single entry for the sixth game tonight? I'm terrible at regular NBA, but showdowns and, and slates like NASCAR and UFC, I've been profitable. Okay. I mean, that's great. Uh, the best thing you can do is like understand, you know, where your edge is and kind of maximize that edge. And so I think that, you know, if that's where your edge is, like, great. Uh, see what aspects you are good at. What are you doing that is adding value? What uh, What is your understanding of, you know, this slate type versus another slate type? Figure out the components that you can carry over that are kind of sport agnostic and, and uh, will provide value for you in another sport type. And then, you know, kind of go from there and then start slow. You know, I, I would say, like, don't play as much volume in, you know, NBA, if you're NBA showdown, if you're new to it, if as opposed to, you know, how much you're playing in golf or NASCAR, these other sports that, you know, you have uh, a solid process for that you are good at, and then kind of start off slow in that regard. But I think that, you know, it's for the most part, ownership type rules can carry over slate to slate, sport to sport. Um, I would, I would say, you know, getting back to this, uh, Single entries and three maxes. I think that's a great spot to start, especially if you are getting into a sport for the first time. Like, start with one lineup. This concept that Jordan talked about when he was the host of Office Hours, something that I've talked about uh, with him offline, is like, you know, when when you are new to a sport, when you're on a downswing, when you're trying to uh, analyze your process for different aspects of it, start with one lineup and really micromanage it and see if you can, you know, build one profitable lineup and then, you know, open that up to three lineups, open that up to 20, open that up to 150, right? Over time, but but start small, you know, micromanage it, see what you're doing wrong, see where you're missing, see what you're doing good, and then build that up in number of lineups over time because you're not going to be able to micromanage 150 lineups. Like you're going to have to trust that the things you're doing are getting um, spread out to all 150 of your lineups all at once. You're not going to have time to sit there and, review every lineup. So that's why you kind of got to build the process from the ground up, start with a few lineups, make sure that, you know, the lineups are looking the way you want, figure out ways to uh, scale that and then go to, to, to more and more lineups over time. All right. Patrick said, any tips on how to improve my NHL process, mainly focused on single entry and 20 maxes, just been having a rough patch. Yeah, no, really good question here. Uh, Patrick, you know, if, if you're not on the pro plan, uh, Scott has released a couple of NHL videos over on the pro plan talking about NHL strategy and just advanced concepts. It's like a great reason to be part of the pro plan, but if that's not in, um, uh, not, not something you're looking for, like, I totally understand that, especially only playing a couple lineups. So I would, I would review some of the content on the channel here, and I'm just going to pull up the YouTube channel really quickly here. So you could go to how to beat NHL DFS in 2022, view the full playlist here, and then you are going to see, I believe, uh, two videos that we've done in like the last year about how to beat NHL DFS here. So this one is from NHL DFS in 2021. I think a lot of the concepts still apply. We did have an updated version in about four months ago, and then we just did a video about two to three weeks ago uh, in, in a pro-exclusive video. And then Patrick said, I want to learn from Scott. He's a genius. Yeah, no, Scott has a lot of NHL DFS experience, like uh, been in the game like four to five years, has learned a lot over that time. 
and a great addition to the team. So you can always post in the NHL channel, like questions, feedback, uh, the team is around. I would say, you know, even Scott in, in the latest video does use some type of stacking rule. And I think that, you know, what, what his stacking rule is a little less um, forceful than the one I use. You know, I, I've started to play some NHL and am and, and learning the game myself. I use like a more aggressive stack rule, but Scott is, a, you know, so sharp that he just wants to nudge the builder in the direction of correlation and stacking. And then he can kind of take over uh, with it from there. But me, somebody who's like not as versed in NHL teams and projections and rosters and, and lines, um, I got to use something a little more aggressive, right? So I use these two rules here. And this is just what I use to try and get some correlation out of the gate. So it's just like a even strength line stack rule. Use at least two players from the same even strength line. And I uncheck the D and then I use this other rule that says use at least two players from the same power play line. And that is just my way of trying to get some correlation and not having to uh, do so much analysis post build. Another thing that I do um, with that rule is I decrease the correlation slider. I'm already forcing in correlation with these rules that I do not need to like double count the correlation and have the slider as well as the rules. So um, if you're, you know, interested in trying out something that like I use as somebody who is more of an amateur DFS player, I will uh, decrease the correlation slider to try and reduce that correlation impact. But, um, but just, just my thoughts on it. Definitely uh, still learning a lot. It has been fun. I will say that, you know, playing NHL DFS it is really nice when all the teams have a check mark before the slate locks and you don't really have to worry about late swap and checking your phone constantly. So like if you're looking for a break from NBA and you're looking to uh, still get some action, I think NHL is like a pretty cool place to check out. So uh, nothing wrong with playing some NHL DFS. And then uh, Patrick said, by the way, mustache game is getting strong. Keep it up. Yeah, man, I've been working on it for, for a little while here. So thank you. I appreciate it. I'm probably going to keep it for, for the foreseeable future. But uh, all right, everybody. Uh, great show today. Glad to have so many people tuning in. We'll be right back tomorrow, Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern for our next show. So until then, if you are building lineups throughout the day, question pops in your head, throw it in the Office Hours channel. Just let it sit there to tomorrow. And that'll give us a steady queue of questions to get tomorrow rolling with. But uh, before we tune off, before we uh, head out here, looks like Patrick has one more question. So I will get to this one. And then this will be the last question of the show. But uh, great show today. And uh, good luck in all of your guys' contests tonight. So going to let Patrick get this in here. And then we are going to uh, get rolling. But, uh, you know, for, for, for just, just in the meantime, uh, you know, DK NBA live final is this weekend. I know Giant Squid has at least one ticket. I was I was looking at it. So uh, good luck to Giant Squid in the DFS NBA live final. All right. Patrick said, does playing multiple sports when lock time is close to each other, does that have conflict in process? So, I mean, it, it's a good question, right? If you're playing like NHL and NBA, uh, you kind of got to figure out, you know, how to manage both, right? So, so for me, you know, usually NHL lineups are locked sooner. So I'm somebody that's like keeping my eye out for even, even when, you know, the lock times are checked, like for the San Jose 
Winnipeg and the Oilers and Buffalo here. Like, even if these teams have check marks and these other teams don't, I know that at least I can build for these lineups that lock, and then I can come in and do a late swap if I think that um, I'm getting tight on time, if, you know, waiting is going to cause me too much headache close to lock, and I'm not going to be able to properly review my NBA lineups or something like that. So you kind of have to find a balance, figure out the best way uh, for you. But for a lot of times for me, it's like, okay, NHL uh, teams that are starting right at lock, ha- our lineups are confirmed. Great. Let me just build. And then I'm going to get this in, give myself enough time to do my NBA process and then come back to NHL afterwards and then wait for all these other teams to finish and then do a late swap. So, you know, it, it does become like time management, uh, a time ma- management uh issue process you know problem i guess is like the right way to say it but you just kind of got to figure out the best way for you uh to handle that so like that's the way i like to do it and then patrick said like nhl nba college basketball i feel like there's a lot of information to ingest to have a process yeah so so i mean you know for the way i like to think about it is like nba news is probably going to break latest and be most impactful so let me save that for like last and then handle these other sports first and then just make sure I'm giving myself enough time to to ingest and process that NBA news, run a new build, uh, apply any post-build metrics that I see fit and then uh, go from there. But definitely just comes down to like a timing thing. It's something that uh, I don't think there's a wrong or right answer for. It's mostly whatever gives you the most time to do all of the things that you need to do to get your lineups in on time, get the lineups that you want in on time, and then, you know, do any type of risk management, et cetera. So, uh, you know, hard question to answer, uh, player by player basis there. But I would say, you know, try, if you're playing NBA, try and save NBA for last, handle some of those other sports first, where news might come out sooner. News might not make as much of an impact on pre slate lock, uh, lineup construction, but really good question there. But, All right, we are going to get out of here. Until tomorrow, everybody, I will see you. Take care and good luck in your contests.